Welcome to Toad's Tunes. My name is Toad. I got the opportunity to sit down with Megan Patrick. We talked about Canada, Nashville, the Buffalo Bills, snowboarding, and so much more. Even her dogs chimed in. Let's get to know Megan just a little bit better. Welcome to Toad's Tunes. Um, Thank you. I have a wonderful nickname and it's Toad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gathered. <laughs> um, how are you today? I'm good. I um, just uh, wrote a song on Zoom and uh, that's pretty much it. That's what my days consist of now for the most part. Are you getting used to these Zoom rides? I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it's better than nothing. At least it's some something, you know, but they're not they're not ideal. It's especially hard like, you know, if one of the people you're zooming with like if they're playing a guitar part and you're trying to sing to it, like you can't really you can't really sing and play at the same time with somebody that's not in the room with you. So, it's a little it's a little frustrating that way sometimes, but, you know, you figure it out, make do. <laughs> right. I, I would assume that the, that that delay has just got to suck, like for the vibe of the room and everything like that. Yeah. It also, I mean, it's, it's like, there's like a delay and I also feel like it, um, it'll like cut out. Like if you're talking, it'll cut out other people or other people, like if two people are talking, it'll cut each other out. So it's just, it's just, yeah, it's not ideal, but you just try and figure it out and make the best of it, I guess. <laughs> Let's, um, let's go back a little bit. I've done a little bit of research on you. I'm going to tell you that I don't normally do this stuff um, as far as research because I just like to wing it and see where the story goes. Mm -hmm. um, but Canada, snowboarding, a um, little bit of an accident. You broke your back. Yeah. Um, I too broke my back, but I broke it on dirt bike. A little bit different. Um, what were you trying to do? Uh, well, I was warming up for a slope, a slope style competition. And um, I approached a jump with way more speed than I should have because it was my first time hitting that jump during like that morning. And um, the jump was just, it was kind of, I mean, to be honest, it was kind of built a little off, like the, it had a little bit too much vert on it because, you know, tabletop is meant to kind of pop you up and out. Um, but it had a lot of vert on it, almost more like a quarter pipe. And so with as much speed as I came in with and the way I hit it, it kind of like shot me almost straight up and really threw my whole balance off. So when I went to start my rotation, it, I, I basically ended up doing like almost a front flip. Like I went over the front of my board, except I didn't complete the rotation. So I landed like on my head slash shoulders so i snapped my collarbone and dislocated my shoulder on the right side thankfully i didn't break my neck because i mean honestly that was a miracle and then my my legs kind of like folded on on top of my body so i like suitcased kind of on myself and that was how i broke my back and i had a pretty severe concussion so that was really scary and honestly i was lucky to walk after that accident um so it really freaked me out but you know, I think everything kind of, everything is a lesson and everything sometimes has a silver lining. And, you know, during that recovery of that injury is when I really turned to music more. Cause I was like, I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything for a, a good month or two. And so I spent a lot of time just like listening to music and writing lyrics and 
music kind of like kept me sane during that recovery. Right. Where did you get fixed at? Up in Canada? Yeah, this happened in Canada. I was, it was in my senior year of high school when it happened. I was uh, 2000. I broke my back. And then um, about two years after that, I was snowboarding in Utah and um, slept. I have a rod from here to here in my arm from snowboarding. But um, I choose not to snowboard too much anymore. Do you still ride at all? Um, I mean, honestly, if I lived closer to somewhere to ride, I would probably go a lot more often, but there's not really anywhere around Nashville. (laughs) Right. That's true. Um, But I, you know, I mean, I used to, when I would go home, if I had like a day off or whatever, then I, sometimes I would go just to like our local ski hill. But I mean, even then Ontario is not exactly known for great mountains. Right. (laughs) uh, But I mean, I, I would love to you know, when this COVID stuff is over, that's one of my priorities is to get, do a trip to like a proper mountain, like somewhere in Colorado or something. And and I do do miss it for sure. One of my best friends lives um, just off the mountain um, in Denver. And I used to go see him quite often and we would ride all winter long um, because he would get buddy passes. So all I had to pretty much do was fly there and I got to ride for free, but I don't, um, I chose dirt bikes over over um the snowboard and i don't know why i did that but um maybe because it's (laughs) maybe because it's easier i mean i've i've had some nasty i broke two ribs on my dirt bike too and i still ride i still enjoy it that's awesome i I guess in in saying that do you get that same kind of um i know that there's an appreciation for music and it does something for your soul um what's the big difference between snowboarding and having the passion to get to the olympics and actually making music and I mean, I'm guessing you want to be as big as, as they can be and number ones and all that kind of stuff. Like, where's that ambition? What's the difference in the two? Um, you know, I've thought about this a lot. And like, you know, one of the things that I find is a little bit different with sports sometimes is like, you know, if you do the training and you do the work, then you're going to get a certain result. It's, it's a little bit more cut and dried in that sense where it's like in music, you can do everything right. You can work your ass off. You can do everything in your power that you think you're supposed to do and still might not happen for you because it's, you know, it's so much more objective and, you know, and the thing, and the thing too, I, I think the biggest difference for me was that, you know, I loved, I loved being an athlete. Sorry if you can hear my dog snoring. I I was just going to ask you. I think that's kind of cool though. It does add a little vibe to it. (laughs) She's like got some bulldog in her. So she's like, her breathing is kind of weird. Ducky. Thank you, baby. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a different headspace. And I also feel like I feel when I'm making music and when I'm on stage, I feel way more like, this is what I was born to do than I ever did in sports. And, you know, cause like with sports, I was, I was so competitive and I would get so stressed out before I would compete because I was so obsessed with winning, you know, and I was so obsessed with like putting on, you know, just like being the fastest, being the best. And, you know, with, with music, it's, I don't, I don't like, I don't get nervous before I go on stage. I get, I just get excited because I, I just like, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. And I love every second of what I'm doing. I'm not just like doing it to get a desired result, if that makes sense. So, you know, there there are similar similarities and there are differences. I mean, I, I definitely feel like, I mean, it, before I was a snowboarder, I was, I was a competitive gymnast for like 10 years. I mean, in the gym, six days a week, like hardcore from a very young age. And, 
I'm, I'm very grateful for a lot of the lessons that being an athlete taught me because I mean, I think it teaches you about hard work and sacrifice and determination and, you know, pushing through pain and, and injuries and setbacks and all that. So I think it laid a really great foundation for me just as a human being to be an athlete like that at that level. Who was your like idol snowboarding? Oh man, there was, I mean, gosh, I, I'm like trying to go back. So it feels like another lifetime. I mean, obviously Sean White was always like right. you know, the guy and there was a lot of really great, um, female athletes too. Um, Tara Dekitis, I remember Dekitis, I don't know if that's how you say her name, but she was, I had some posters of her on the wall and, um, yeah, there was, it's, it's weird. It's like, I almost can't even remember that time in my life sometimes. I look forward to the videos that still come out. I remember when Art of Flight came out, Travis Rice's big video, and now they've got like two more that follow that, that are, I just watch them and I'm in awe what these guys can do on a snowboard. I know. Ducky, Ducky, come here, baby. Come here. You're, you're snoring real loud. <laughs> Sorry. Where did your, um, where did your old soul come from in music? I mean, you go back, I mean, I don't know too many people. I can see the Bonnie Raitt, Emmylou and Aretha though. I mean, yeah, that's my uh -huh. mom's generation. Yeah. I mean, mine too. I mean, I honestly, I, I can attribute most of that just to my parents. Um, you know, I just grew up on a very, very eclectic taste in music. Um, you know, obviously it's not like my parents wouldn't buy me Backstreet Boys or, you know, Spice Girls records if I if I wanted them but that's just not I didn't like the stuff that I grew up listening to I mean my mom was actually a DJ when she was in college and so she just had this really awesome selection of music she's got this huge record collection which was really cool so we listened to a lot of records growing up um, when we were just around the house like we never really had the TV on very often it was usually just listening to music and um, and then my dad you know, my dad played a little bit of guitar when he was in high school, like just kind of as a hobby. And he started picking it up again um, when I was in high school. And he always loved like the blues, like like Delta Blues and like Muddy Waters and Sun House and Howlin' Wolf. And so I really fell in love with that stuff because I would hear him in the basement, like practicing these riffs over and over again. And just he would go to like open blues jams and stuff. And I would go watch him play. And then it turned into me getting up there and, and I would sing with him sometimes. And like, I really fell in love with that, that emotion and that style of singing and the, the melodies and everything like that. And, you know, I went through a lot of phases. I mean, I would say the most prevalent music for me in my house growing up was a lot of Southern rock, classic rock, the Eagles, the Allman Brothers, um, Neil Young was like a huge, huge influence for me. My parents were both big Neil Young fans. Um, and Aretha, I mean, I guess Aretha came maybe a little bit later, but my mom did listen to a lot of like Motown soul stuff as well growing up. That's how I got into Stevie Wonder and Jackson 5. And um, I think Aretha just, I don't know, man, like when I heard her sing, I was just, it was just like, there was nothing like it. I mean, it was just so raw and so emotional and like the power that she had in her voice, it really spoke to me. And then I also found out we have the same birthday. So really? that was cool, yeah. <laughs> we just, um, last weekend, I have a daughter that's 12 and um, we listened to an Eagles album, literal vinyl front to back and you can sing every song. And I think that's where I get frustrated, so frustrated with music today is that, it's not about the album. It's about a single. And that's kind oh. of, um, 
I'm horrible at this and I'm, I won't be shy with you, but I can't stand the entitled number one. I cannot stand it. It drives me bananas because I want to go back and, and listen to music in 10, 15, 20 years and go, this is what did it. And this is why, and this is why it's relevant. And hundred percent. Um, I book a club here in Vegas called Stoney's Rock and Country. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Yeah. Um, Mitchell's played a couple times here. He's shown up a couple times here. Have you ever been? I haven't been. Um, I actually, the only time I've only been to Vegas once. I'm sorry about my dogs. Um, I've only been to Vegas once. Um, sorry. Hold on. <laughs> you know what? Let me, let me let him out. So are you cool? It's just like, can you cut this up or is this? Yeah, totally. Okay. I'm going to just let him outside because I don't, otherwise he might start barking. I'm so sorry. Give me You're one good. second. Okay. Megan doesn't know, but while she was away, I interviewed a couple of the dogs. Here's a little snippet. Gosh, the joys of working from home with three dogs. I'm so uh, sorry. We have two. We have a, um, we just got a, a lab. Um, she just turned a year and we have a, um, a dachshund, a mini dachshund. I call her Weenus, the, we the wiener dog. And she's old as dirt. I mean, um, oh, man. She and she can't see for shit. So she just kind of like uh, looks around and barks at stuff. Yeah, that, well, that would be, that would be tough, I think, for a dog, because, I mean, they they rely on their senses so much to, you know, feel safe and everything, so I imagine it'd be probably kind of terrifying to not really know what's around you at all the time. Well, it's, it's cool when we wake up in the morning, it's like, let's hunt for where she pooed last night. <laughs> oh, that's always fun. It's yeah. good, it's good, we have tile floors, so that's, um, well, there you go, that's good at least. <laughs> that's, that's the plus side of it all. Um, I've noticed in so many of your things that you're a Bills fan, um, I would tell you that one of my best friends growing up went to high school with her. We've been friends for years and years and years. She is the biggest Bills fan I've ever met. She goes back to a game every single year. What, how Bills, is that close to where you grew up? Is that the closest team to you? Um, well, I mean, it is, but I'm actually, that's actually not why I'm a Bills fan. My mom is from Buffalo. So um, she was born and raised there. And so I've just, for as long as I can remember, our family has just always cheered on the Bills. So um, yeah, this has been, uh, as much as the last year has been kind of a dumpster fire, right. the Bills are amazing and headed to their second playoff game this weekend. So I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm an Eagles fan because I lived in Jersey for a while. My mom grew up in the Buffalo area. Uh, she doesn't follow football at all, but I have nothing to cheer for. My college team is Nebraska, who hasn't been good in seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. My pro team is the Eagles. I mean, although they went to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Yep. I'll give them that, but now we just kind of like suck all all over again. I mean, well, we've sucked for a real, we haven't won a playoff game for 25 years, so. <laughs> right. I, I watch it. You know, it's funny that I called my friend Lisa. She did not answer the phone. She was streaming it, so she was like maybe a minute and a half behind me. So mm -hmm. she called me when the game was over. She's like, "There's no fucking way in hell I'm I'm answering the phone. I know that you're watching it, and like you oh, did not want to know what the outcome was." But she's going absolutely crazy. I just actually made her. Um, I do in this garage I have behind me over here. It's just because this has been the year of the pivot. I started a woodworking. I've always worked with wood. I've built clocks, um, built wine racks and all that kind of stuff. But I got into um, um, a CNC machine. So I made her a Bill's Mafia wood piece. It's about like this big. And that's amazing. And logo and says Mafia right down the middle. But um, that's about as much of a Bill's fan as I am. That's, well, that's awesome. I, my, my dad is a bit of a woodworker himself actually this is this is his boat this tattoo he builds he built oh, wow. this 
gorgeous um, mahogany boat from like from the ground up in our garage. It's a 1930s hacker craft design. So he's uh, he's building another one right now, actually another mahogany boat, which I spent a lot of time on growing up on that uh, that boat. So I'm just a, cruising, or did you fish, or what did you guys do? Uh, it's not a, it's not much of a fishing boat because it's it's more of a speed cruising kind of boat. I mean, I could I could I've wakeboarded behind it, so I mean, it gets you get a decent enough wake to do that. But mostly, it's just for like cruising around. It's it's pretty loud and big to be trying to fish off of. <laughs> right. a, a couple years ago, I went and um, I bought a boat. Wanted to see if we go to the lake. We did. I do not fish at all. Then uh, I picked up surfing, the wake surfing thing. Oh yeah. So I went and bought a Malibu and my girl's brother is the biggest fisherman ever. And every time we go to the lake, he'd ask if he can bring his fishing pole. And I'd be like, you can, <laughs> but all I'm going to do is take you to the shore and drop you off and you can fish and I'll pick you up when I'm done surfing for the day, but you're not fishing off my boat. Yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> there's a big difference. I understand that completely. I <laughs> understand that. Let's go to your single that's out right now. My first car. Um, I've read some stuff online about obviously the, the history of the music and the Southern rock influence. Where, where did, I mean, what made you write that song? Um, so I, I can't, I can't take credit for the, the idea that was actually Adam Craig and Joey Hyde. That's, they're two of my best friends and that's who I wrote the song with. And Adam was the one that brought that idea in. And, you know, Adam, Adam and I are, are pretty like country. We're, we're pretty redneck. Whereas Joey, we always tease him. He, he's pretty uh, Northern kind of city, <laughs> city type guy. And so we always joke with him whenever we write these really country songs, like, do you know what we're talking about and have these lyrics? But Adam had said to me, he was like, man, he's like, I had this idea. And I just figured, you know, I just assumed like I would probably just write it for a guy artist, but then I thought to myself, you know, if there was ever a girl whose first car was a pickup truck, I bet it was Megan. <laughs> and, yeah. and I said, well, you are correct. Um, the first, I mean, and I said, well, okay, so technically, I mean, it's not the first vehicle I ever drove. I had some family cars that I drove, you know, when I first got my license. But the first vehicle that I ever bought that was entirely mine was a 1998 GMC Sierra. It was a big diesel, it was an old work truck. I bought it for like $2,000. And it was like my pride and joy. And, you know, there was just, there was a lot of firsts and a lot of great memories in that truck. Um, specifically, the day I signed my record deal at Warner Canada, I, uh, it, I was starting to have some issues with it. And I, to be honest, was really too broke to afford to fix anything. So I was kind of just like playing chicken with whatever was going on with this truck. And, um, I remember the day I was signing the deal, my dad had said, do you want to borrow my car? And I was like, I don't know, like this is kind of a thing for me. Like, I just want to drive my truck out there, like, you know, do this my way. And I had like $2 and 83 cents in my bank account driving out there. And I pulled into the parking lot at Warner and it died in the parking lot. <laughs> Ouch. Like halfway pulled into the, the parking spot. And, uh, I told, I told, you know, I told my label, the head of my label, Steve Kane, and he was laughing and he said, well, I guess this is a great time for a record deal then, isn't it? I was like, yeah, so about that advance <laughs> later would be great. I, I just need to get home. Can I get enough to just get home? Yeah. <laughs> you guys call me a cab. <laughs> Where's that truck today? Well, um, actually bittersweet moment. Um, after, after that happened, after I signed the deal, you know, my dad was like, look, I know you love the truck. I know it has sentimental value. He said, but 
you're, you know, you're touring and you're traveling too much. You need something more reliable. He's like, you know, you've got a little bit of money now with your deal. He said, you can go GMC at the time had a, or GM had a deal where it was like zero, zero money down, 0% financing for like four years. He's like, that's totally, he's like, for what you're spending on fixing this truck every month, you could just leave, right. you could be paying truck payments. So he convinced me to go get a new truck and I did. And he said, look, I'll make you a deal. He said, I'll, I'll pay to fix your old truck if you give it to me to use at the foundry as a work truck. So that's what we did. So my, my dad owns a iron foundry, so they make iron castings and stuff. So it stayed there and was just kind of a work truck for a while. And every time I would go home, I would, I would drive it just so I had a way to get around just for old time's sake. And actually the last time I came home and drove that truck, I was driving down main street and um, the tailgate fell off. So <laughs> it was literally like, like hanging up the back of the truck, like sparks flying up. Like, so my mom had reached out to me just uh, around Christmas and said, you know, the old, the old girl's kind of on her last legs, but I've got an idea. There's a program called donate a car Canada. So you can essentially donate your vehicle to the charity of your choice, whether it's a vehicle that's still drivable or you can, you know, they'll sell it for parts and scrap or whatever. And then the money goes to your, your charity. So there's a, there's a charity close to my hometown called Denise house, which is um, a home for battered women and children. And um, I just, they're, they're really great at, at what they do and they're good people. And, you know, I also came out of a pretty abusive relationship myself many years ago. And that was the truck that drove me away from it all. So it felt like a very, um, a fitting end to the truck's legacy to, to make her final moment be to help a, another woman get back on her feet. So that's a pretty awesome story right there. <laughs> It'd be neat if you still could go get your hands on it and use it for like video for that song or something. Oh, I know. I, I know. I wish I could have, to be honest, I don't even think that truck would have made it the whole drive all the way to Nashville. <laughs> Put it on a trailer. That's where it needs to go. I know we would have had to, I think. <laughs> Are you still driving your, your newer truck that you bought today? Yep. When yeah. I you... bought it back in 2015. So yeah, I've still got it. I actually, and I, you know what, they're great trucks. I haven't had to put a dime into it until this year. I finally had to put new tires on it, but other than that, it's been a great truck. I've had a Tundra for the last few years and I absolutely love my truck. Yeah, I've heard, yeah. I, I know a lot, of, I know a few people with Tundras that really like them. It's fun. I used to have a, a GMC way back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. It was good to me. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. When did you... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. No, I was just going to say, I just grew up in a like GM family. My, my grandfather worked for GM like his whole life until he retired. And actually the, the day that I bought that truck, I was so excited. I was so proud of it. And I was so excited to show my grandpa like my first car and, uh, my grandpa was always funny. Like he was so old school. Like he never really understood my sort of tomboy tendencies. <laughs> and I remember I drove it to his house and I'm like, show, and he comes outside and I'm showing it to him and he's like walking around. He's like, you, he's like, you chose this. Like, this is what, what you wanted. I was like, yeah, grandpa, I love it. And he's kind of like walking around and he's like checking it and whatever. And he kind of shakes his head and he looks at me and goes, well, at least it's a Chevy. And then just walks back in the house. <laughs> so point taken i uh my first car was a volkswagen and um um i have two in my garage in the backyard that i just um i love them i think that that's kind of what happens when you start out with stuff like that you tend to you tend to stick to it unless someone has a an influence on you totally 
I mean, I've always, everyone's always like, oh, like you're, you know, my manager and stuff. They're always looking for sponsorships and endorsements and stuff. And they're like, you're a Chevy girl, right? And I was like, I mean, yeah, but like if Ford wanted to give me a free truck, I'm not going to sit here and say that I would say no to that. <laughs> it's crazy how that stuff works these days. The mm -hmm. in endorsement deal, you get to drive. I've seen some artists that do some stuff in smaller, smaller towns and they give them a truck to drive for a while. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Nothing wrong with that. When did you move to Nashville? Uh, it's, it'll be almost, it'll be four years in March. Was that, was that ultimately the goal when you started playing music? Obviously you're a superstar in Canada, which is rad. Um, <laughs> Thank but you. working your way down into Nashville, is it a goal to be, um, was that always the goal was to get to Nashville and do what you do? Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I, I mean, it's, I think it, it I actually had, started I mean I started going down to Nashville pretty regularly like almost like once a month for probably a good two or three years before I ended up moving down there full time and the only reason why I didn't move there sooner was because I ended up getting my record deal with Warner right um, and so you know it kind of I had I had met with some labels here and there was a lot of interest but nobody was ready to like pull the trigger you know and so when I had the opportunity to sign with Warner and I just really, really loved the team there and the people at that label, they're just awesome. Um, it just kind of made sense to stay in Canada and really try and build something there and, you know, build an audience, get some music out and, you know, just kind of build a, a brand and a name for myself. And then it kind of got to a point where, you know, I had been, when I wasn't touring, I was in Nashville writing. And so I was really never even like home anymore. And there wasn't a whole lot there for me at that point, right. you know, and I felt like it was almost like trying to switch gears. Cause everybody that I hung out with back home, I mean, and, and I don't say this in a negative way. I mean, I love them. They're awesome people. We just had very different lives all of a sudden, everything that I was doing with music felt so different and so foreign to the life I had back, back home before all this stuff happened to me. And, I was finding it difficult to stay focused on the music when I would go home. Cause I'd want to like go hang out with my friends and like kind of do what they were doing where, and so it was like trying to be almost two different people and like shifting gears all the time. Whereas when I was in Nashville, I was like super laser focused on my music and my writing and my creativity. And I wanted to live in that world 24 seven. And so I came off of, I remember I was on tour with uh, Tom Cochran at the time actually. And, um, I made the decision while I was out there, I, I had broken up with this guy who was a great, great guy, but just, it just wasn't the right situation. You know, I wanted one thing and he wanted something else. And I was like, well, if I'm not going home to him, like, what am I like, why am I even staying in Canada? Like there's literally nothing there for me anymore. And so I made the decision to move while I was on the road. I came home, packed all my stuff. And 24 hours later, I was on the road to Nashville and wow and made that move. And it was the best decision I ever made, you know, I mean, cause I always, I always wanted to get an American deal and be on American radio and tour in America. And I, you know, I got to the point where I knew the only way to do that was to be here 24 right. seven. So, so just notice Mitchell's also on riser house mm -hmm. Did that kind of work after you guys met before. Was that part of it? Is that how you met? I mean, I know that the story of the bar walked in, yeah. He he had you or you had him at camo or he had you at camo yeah. or something like that. I, I had him at camo, yeah. So Mitchell Mitchell is actually a, a part um owner of, of Riser House. He he started that company with Matt Swanson. Um 
And, you know, so I, I met a lot of the people at, on the riser team through Mitchell. And, you know, I, if, if I'm going to be totally candid with you, like when I, I met these people, you know, Jennifer Johnson, she was the president there and she, you know, she knew that I was trying to get some things happening in America. I was also looking for new management at the time. And so it started off with her just trying to help me with that. And then I started writing with a lot of their, their writers through their publishing. And, um, you know, the team there just really took a shine to me, I guess, and, and, and thought I was really talented and, and it got to a point where they offered me a record deal. And, you know, on the one hand, I was just so excited because this was literally the thing I'd been wanting and working towards for so long. And, but then there was also a part of me that was like kind of nervous because I was like, well, everybody's just going to think I just got it because of Mitchell, because I'm Mitchell's girlfriend, you know? And so I remember I called Mitchell, obviously he knew they were going to offer me the deal. He didn't ask for it. In fact, he, he didn't really have anything to do with it. You know, it, it had to do with, and, and that's essentially what he told me. He said, look, he's like, I get it. He's like, I know you're, you're proud and you're stubborn. He said, but the bottom line is this, he said, there's only one reason why you're getting offered this deal. It's because you're talented and because you deserve it. And he said, and quite frankly, because I know I can make money off you. <laughs> he said, he said, I wouldn't risk. He said, you know, I created this business out of, you know, with my dream, it was my dream and, and my money and my, my, my blood, sweat and tears to create this. And I would never jeopardize that just to give my girlfriend a record deal. And he said, and nobody, nobody there at that label is doing you a favor on my behalf. And so he said, you know what, there might be some people that have something negative to say about it, but those people don't matter. Cause if they looked at you and they listened to your music and saw you perform, there'd be no doubt in their minds that you earned this entirely on your own. And so after that conversation, I sat there and I was like, am I really going to pass up this amazing opportunity just essentially because of like my ego? Cause I'm worried about what somebody else is going to think. Like, I'm sorry, Megan, when did you start worrying about what other people think, you know? <laughs> A good start to it all. I mean, people, I think in this world that we live in today, um, I, you know, um, Taylor Lightcap, mm -hmm. I sent him some stuff. This is my clothing company. It's called that's Anything awesome. Now. Um, and that's exactly what it's about. I have a 12 year old that all she ever asked me is how to become Instagram famous. It's all she cares <laughs> about. And I just, and that's what the kids are today. And the society of the world that they live in today is literally, yep. um, they get this this joy and this dopamine fix based on a like and it's scary and that's why mm -hmm. I started it but I think that that's great in that sense because I always tell her that she's famous enough the way she is but it goes back to the same thing you take take Mitchell out of that you know it might have been some sort of a sense that it opened the door for people to see you but why would he invest in something that wasn't going to make him money I mean that no right and I mean again at the end of the day it's just like I love the, I love the people there. I love the team and they believe in me a hundred percent and they're, they're all in on me. And it's, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, Mitchell, Mitchell is really more there in the capacity as an artist. It's not like he's making, you know, decisions about my career or, or even having an influence, you know, in, in that regard, like they're very separate things. And, you know, Mitchell and I, our whole lives are wrapped up in each other's because we're in the same industry and we are in a relationship and we live together, but we also, you know, to a large extent, keep those things pretty separate. He does his thing and I do mine, you know, and it comes down, again, it comes down to like, people keep saying, well, when are you guys going to do a duet? When are you going to do a duet? And he knows that for me, that's going to be a minute because he knows that I want to blaze my own trail in America as myself, not as Mitchell's, Mitchell Tenpenny's girlfriend, 
you know, and, and he knows how important it is for me to do this kind of on my own two feet. And I also have to recognize that there's nothing wrong with, with taking the opportunities that come your way, no matter how they, how they come to be, you know, it would be silly for me to not take this deal. That's everything I want. Um, just because he is in some roundabout way attached to it, you know? Yeah. What, what, so before all of this crap hit, of course, what was like your, your highlight being on a stage with somebody and playing? Who was like your favorite person to share a stage with? I mean, Mitchell, <laughs> to be honest, like, well, I mean, we, earlier last year, we got to go on tour with Old Dominion, which was amazing. I mean, Old Dominion's one of my favorite groups. Like they're just so, so great live. Some of the nicest, most humble human beings you'll ever meet. Um, and Mitchell and I, we, we performed together actually on Valentine's day. Cause we, we had a show on Valentine's day. So we sang wild as me together, but, um, honestly, one of my favorite moments ever on stage where I was actually performing with another person was, um, at the CCMAs a couple years ago, um, Mitchell and I sang wild as me together. And it was just, it was super, super stripped down, just two guitars, two voices, and they had everybody in the whole arena use their phone light so it was just like the lights everywhere and we just sang this together and it was just like man it, like it makes me emotional thinking about it because I just remember like it was so cool to kind of like share my world with him you know because he had never really like seen all the things that I'd done or the following that I had in Canada you know and, and whereas I had seen him play so many shows and for him to be able to have that experience with me in front of you know my audience and for us to sing this song together that I wrote about him, about our relationship, about our love and have this like beautiful moment. I mean, that's just, that's just going to be one of my top moments of life for a long time, <laughs> forever. That's freaking cool. I get to go see Old Dominion. I've seen him a couple of times, but they're playing in July in Utah here at a festival called Country Fan Fest. And uh, I am so like, I went from having live music every single Friday at Stoney's here in Vegas to, to nothing absolutely nothing so I, I used to I haven't had this much time off I was my, my co-writer actually my friend asked me that today he's like man he's like when's the last time you had this much time off and I said seven or eight years ago probably <laughs> how, about, how about when you were seven <laughs> yeah seriously I mean just about I mean even before I had a record deal I was I was working and I was gigging every single weekend and I I did my own tours like independently all summer. I mean, I, it's just been a long time since I've been this long without playing a show. I built I built an app. It's called Country AF Radio. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but we play your single on there now. Yes, um, thank you so actually, much. Actually, we've we've played a few of those of your singles on there. But in saying that, I did a segment for about 4 months straight that was I did back-to-back -back live live singles i would go out and just find these live versions of songs just so i could get my fix and share it with everybody else because it's it's um i've been a live music fan for years i used to do shows at the house of blues here i would go for wallet and i would bring in bands and that was kind of what i did for as a hobby more than anything because yeah. i mean that's what i enjoyed but hell i cannot wait till july i'm su just super hoping that we can actually do live music in july yeah i mean it's I try and stay positive, but it's like, I kind of have to, I try and just like take things one day at a time because it's just, it's, it gives me so much anxiety and so much stress. Like even, even the, the, the idea that we might not really get back to normal even this year. And it's just, it's hard. It's really hard too. Cause it also feels a lot, almost like 
we're the only industry that's being held to this standard, you know, like I could go <clears throat> work as a bartender in a bar or a club, but I couldn't go and play a show <laughs> as a it's, musician in the bar. Or club. It is so different yeah. here in Vegas. So our bar is still open. Our capacity is almost 1200 people. And last Thursday we had 44 people come through the door the whole night. And wow. our, our bartender has to go out and serve the tables. We, there's nothing to do. Normally we're a dance club. We're a country yeah. Western bar. We have a bowl had a bowl we had to pull that out we had beer pong tables had to pull that out had pool tables had to pull that out so literally we have you know 16 17 000 square feet that just sits and imagine the room size with 44 people in there and it just not even at the same time i think the most that we had at one time was four and it's yeah it is a crazy vegas vegas there's so many double standards because the hotels and casinos here can do stuff that right. us as a bar can't well so i'm saying it's like bars and restaurants are open and, you know, it just seems like every other industry and, and group of people has found a way to like go back to work safely and we're just being held to a completely different standard. And it's almost like, sometimes it feels like people don't understand the seriousness of that for our industry because they view what we do as like extra, it's extracurricular, it's luxury, it's just entertainment to them. It's not essential to them, but it's like, well, it's pretty freaking essential to me and <laughs> paying my mortgage, you know? Think about the thought of this we can have live music at Stoney's. We're only allowed 25% capacity. But if we charge at the door, the chairs have to be affixed to the ground. Like we have to bolt our chairs to the ground because wow. that's what they have in the hotels and the casinos. They're definitely playing towards that business probably because they make a lot more money off of that than they do with, with us as a, as a local taxpayer more than anything. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of frustrating, super frustrating. I wish it was different. Um, if you could get back out on the road this year, who would, who would you want to like go out and chase down and share a stage with? Like, um, if I gave you a million bucks and you got to pick your talent, you have five artists and you're one of them. Obviously I'm assuming that Mitchell's going to be one of them. Who else would you, who else would you pay to be there with you? Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, this, this is like big artists that like I would want to open for. I mean, Eric church is always number one for me. He is like, huge huge like bucket list thing um love the brothers osborne love 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 um who else am i really digging right now i you know laney wilson yep um laney wilson's one of my best friends and i just think she is one of the most talented singer songwriters in country music right now and she's also just like an awesome human being and like how cool would it be to go on tour with one of your best friends right um let's see i'm trying to i feel like it, i always feel like i blank out when somebody asks me like what are you listening to now who do you like and i and it's like i can't think of anything um also uh, another one dylan carmichael who's my my label my my label mate at riser also another amazing super talented he, artist performer he is awesome i gotta tell you a quick story about him i went back for crs last year and dylan was playing in that little foyer area and before you went into the next from nashville stage or the upcoming whatever yeah um they they did a giveaway for a free radio show and yeah. he won uh their band um won a show in vegas for free and I believe it was Dylan or their manager, whoever accepted the, the win got up on the stage because Dylan was playing up there, said, yeah. F yeah, we get to play Stonies. Yeah. Um, but they didn't play Stonies because the radio station took them to a casino. Oh, well, boo. <laughs> um, all right, I think I've got like two more slots left. I would probably, 
I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Morgan Wallen and my, my live show, my live show is pretty rowdy. So I feel like, I feel like we could, I could match his rowdiness and we can put on a pretty great show. Um, and he's I think played, live- he's played at Stoney's twice now. And the first time, um, up down was like the only single that was doing anything. Oh, wow. And the, yeah, and the yeah. second time he came through was, yeah. I mean, it just blew up. Um, and I think, I don't know. I think I would, <clears throat> I, I love Lindsay L. I think her new record is phenomenal yeah. and she's just such a great musician. I mean, she's also a good friend of mine. She's a great guitar player. Her band is, is, is awesome. Her, I just think her new record is so next level for her and, and just awesome. So that would be my last slot. That would be an amazing show to go to. I'd love to do that. It'd be pretty phenomenal. (laughs) I'd love to do that at Stoney's. Although I think the Brothers Osborne would probably blow the roof off of a Stoney's. Um, Yeah. um, um, uh, The Cadillac 3 played um, with us. I love them too. I love love them. I've actually finally got the chance to write with Jaron a couple of times during quarantine and they're awesome. They are. They uh, they blew out three circuits at Stoney's. A three piece. (laughs) <laughs> I believe it. They are pretty awesome. Do you um do you feel like playing my first car today? A little acoustic? I see. Sure, car. yeah. Um sorry. All caught up here. Let me just grab my capo. I'm gonna have to tune up a little bit here. I will let you. I wasn't sure if I was if I was gonna play or if I was gonna be playing or not, so you know, we do a thing during the ACMs normally every year. And I want to say that I had Lainey Wilson scheduled to play. Because um, I, I run through about two, what is that, four, eight, 12, 16 artists over three days at Stoney's during the ACM, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. Um, not last year, but the year prior, Mitchell actually showed up because we had, we had I don't even remember who he came out to it might have been oh probably hardy he was he was playing and a bunch of people showed up to uh kind of a cool event but i'm almost positive that laney was one of them that was playing i remember seeing i i, I think that we went to go see laney play because i mean I, I was there with mitchell the last whatever the last was that i guess is that two years ago now yeah did you come out to stoney's that night I mean, I, I pretty much went wherever Mitchell was going. So, I mean, I was just kind of there as his date. Um, so yeah, wherever he went, I went. I mean, first ACMs was definitely a little bit of a blur, but. Yeah, and that's what usually happens is everyone shows up on Thursday night or Friday night at Stoney's, which is kind of cool from the Coastal Mandels of the world all the way down to the, my phone would ring and I'd be like, I don't even know who this is. And I'd answer and it'd be someone being, let me in the back door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we pride ourselves on is getting to know you guys way before you guys become huge artists. And that's the goal for us too. No, for sure. I'm trying to remember Cause I feel like I might've actually gotten into Vegas like a day or two later after Mitchell did. Cause I was touring. I was, had a show or something in Canada. So may, I might not have been there with him. I remember going to the losers bar to watch some people play, but I don't know if I went to Stoney's or not. Hopefully. We'll have to get your ass out here. That's for sure. When everything gets back to normal. Yes, please. All right, well, um, I'll play my first card for you.
That's right. That was yeah. awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like a golf clap. That way it doesn't pop yeah. so loud. That's awesome. Thank you. I love that tune. Um, I was reading the lyrics in there. Your your first car came from an old dirt bike, huh? That's it right there. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with me. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for spinning the songs and, uh, hopefully get the chance to come and play for real for you sometime. <laughs> I would, I would totally look forward to that. And, um, hopefully, um, maybe April, May ish, it'll get back to somewhat normal. I'm praying that we can just, I actually had, um, Sam grow come through probably about a month and a half ago. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, you know, it's so funny, Sam actually, was one of my very first co-writes ever because we we were at the same publishing company at the time. So I I love Sam. He's he's so talented. He is. He's a hustler. Uh, he came through and it was one of those things we weren't quite sure what was going to happen in Vegas when he came here. His manager and him were like, if we come there, we're playing in your backyard or we're playing at Stoney's. We don't care. And he ended up hanging out for like four or five days. Ended up being cool, but. Um, it made sense. I guess it was before they did the thing where the chairs had to be affixed to the ground. So we're not, yeah. <laughs> we're not actually, we're, we're not actually going to book anything until we can get, you know, at least half capacity and be able to charge at the door and make it beneficial for you guys to play in front of people Yeah, and um, for the bar to make money too. Absolutely. That sounds, that would, that sounds great. Let's just keep praying it happens. <laughs> um, I did send out Taylor some shirts for you and for Mitchell as well. Oh, so yeah. Um, I'm going to text him and I'll whoop his ass because he clearly didn't <laughs> okay. give them to you yet. <laughs> yeah, I would love, that's awesome. I love it. I, I want a famous enough shirt. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate it. Thanks again for your time. And I, I look forward to hearing more from you and um, 2021, let's do this, right? Let's do it. All right. Take care. Bye -bye. Be safe. You Bye. too.